Yeah, that's from a parody of Them Bones by Alice in Chains. And uh, we did a song called Them Beans, which probably never deserves to be played. We can't hear me. Uh, was that you singing? That, I could, um, them beans. No, that's Ben. Is it Ben? Oh, yeah. Ben Carlston. Yep. yep okay. Ben Carlston. Yep. All right. Spike O'Neill joins me. Let's uh, welcome downtown Joe and talk about our guest. Our special guest this week is BJ Shea. BJ Shea from KISW, the morning show host who's uh, been there ever since. Uh, well, I'll let him tell you that story. He began in Seattle at the Buzz. 100.7 FM and uh, has been one of the biggest rockinest morning shows. And, and the backstory is that we were friends many years ago, decades ago, all three of us were friends with BJ Shea before he came to Seattle. So he will tell you, we helped his career and I will tell you, he helped our careers uh, tremendously. Uh, before we bring uh, BJ Shea on, let's make sure we got everybody. We got me. I'm a Trekkie today because BJ and I are both Trekkies. Spike, who is wrong? Why did you write Spike is wrong? I just like to remind myself that I don't know everything. You don't have it's, a you, you don't have a co-host for that. That's yeah, <laughs> I, do. I do. No, it's yeah. it's it's a lesson in humility. That's good. That's good. A never-ending lesson. And downtown Joe, media teacher guy, downtown Joe, uh, you are. You know, I posted this the other day. You are right now living your best life in your second career as a media teacher at uh, Mercer Island High School, you have taken that program and made it one of the most exciting things a high school kid can do with media. And you are a mentor to all these children and they all love you. Are you having fun? I am beat. I am tired. No, I'm having a blast. <laughs> but I will tell you, being a teacher the week before graduation, you're about... You're about done, and so are the kids. It's like, you know, can't we just shave a week or two off of school and call it good? But, uh, yeah, I'm having a blast, and, and I feed off the energy. It's it's a wonderful, uh, wonderful opportunity. Uh, folks, uh, check out on Facebook, Joe's students made him an end-of-year video about how much he is meaning to their lives and how um, how much they look up to him. It's a beautiful thing. It'll bring a tear to your eye and then Joe Baldas eyes out, according to Joe. Did you really cry? Uh, just not the first time I saw it because I was in the back of the VFW hall with a hundred parents and uh, uh, I, I missed it up a little, but I've cried several times since. Mm. It means them a lot. And I, I see different kids and, you know, I have so many different ones doing different things and uh, some overcome a lot just to be able to crack a microphone and, and form a sentence and some of them are going to go on to huge media careers and they all mean a lot to me so to see them uh, all in a montage like that and the in the kid who made it matthew pangallo i really got to thank because he worked a couple months on that thing wow. and he's not even in my class anymore he, okay uh, and did yeah. you know he was doing it i had no idea no in fact he 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 supposedly is making me a little sizzle reel to sell the 
the program here and he still is because I knew he was working on something. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I said, after it was done, I said, that was so wonderful. Are you still making the sizzle reel? Cause I need that. And, and he's going and interviewing former students who are now in the industry and stuff for me. And uh, so I'm looking forward to that one too, right. but it meant a lot. You have many students who've gone on to uh, actual media careers and even the ones who haven't, let's be honest, we're all, technology media representatives of ourselves. Every single person broadcasts globally on social media. All right. And let me, so, let, can I, before we, before we bring yeah. on BJ, mm-hmm. um, we can all, I think, remember back to somebody in our life, a teacher in our life who made a difference in our life outside of like, you know, a parent teachers are probably the most influential adult in a kid's life. And the kids that have uh, been, I've had Joe as a teacher. Every one of them has benefited from it. And whether kids go on to media or whatever career or life they go into, the confidence and, and, and skills they develop in your class improve every aspect of their life, Joe. I fully, fully believe and, and that. Let me double that because when a teacher expresses confidence in you, as some did to me uh, when I was just in, you know, in first and second grade, that's a lifetime it is. Uh, that's a lifetime of energy you get from that. So, Joe, God bless you. I believe in every single kid, and I believe in their potential until they let me down about ten times. And then I <laughs> and they get down here. What's the lowest grade you give, though? You, you're not going to give anyone lower than a B. I, I just, I, I feel like you're that teacher. Well, at, at Mercer Island here, they're a high achieving bunch, and and a B is enough to send some into a really real panic. Um, you know, I, 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 I mean, their their parents are like, you've got a B. What happened? Yeah, most hmm. most of them get A's, but they've got to earn it. But I, I like I said, I go on on what's your abilities and are you trying? Are you showing up? The only way to really not succeed in my class is to to not come and, and just to, to not do as long as you're trying. And as long as you're getting better, you're going to be just fine. All right. BJ Shea, let's each say something special about BJ Shea. And, um, you know, audiences may not know how close we are actually are as friends because we're on stations across the street. I mean, BJ has been kind to us many times on the air and, and we've sort of done the same. Uh, but we met him initially at a morning show conference and, um, uh, we just connected uh, somehow. And well, Joe, we'll start with you. Your first memory of BJ. Well, BJ was on a show called the Brother Wee's Morning Circus in Rochester, New York. And I still think that our show was more influenced by that show than any other show. We would get together once a year for a dinner and I would come out of that dinner so fired up to come back to Seattle and, and be funny because of BJ and Weeds were just the funniest people pretty much I think that was ever on the radio. And uh, those early memories um, now have been replaced by current memories of BJ serving on my advisory board here at KMIH. And we get together and share a meatball now and then and talk about the state of things. And he's the first guy that will always help you out. I don't want to fact check, but you don't share one meatball. Well, they're pretty big. It's a pretty big meatball. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a, actually, I think we usually get three. He gives me one and he okay. takes two. Okay. Uh, Spike, your, your BJ recollection. Um, oh, that doesn't sound right. But. <laughs> <laughs> um, when we met BJ, he was literally my counterpart, my equal on the other side of the country. Mm. He was, he was uh, brother Weezer's right-hand man. And I was your right-hand man. And seeing somebody that was so confident and so talented 
doing what I was doing, it, it was inspiring to me. And like Joe said, BJ might be the funniest guy I've met in my life. And he made Wheeze better, and it gave me uh, inspiration and confidence to help try to make what we did better. And watching BJ go on all these years to be his own talent is also something that I've drawn encouragement, strength, and, and pride from. So, When we were at these uh, morning show boot camps, uh, and I'm not going to talk about them until he comes on, but BJ, BJ and I became um, nerd buddies. I think is the right way to put it. And we'll leave the stories for uh, as we begin this discussion with the veteran morning show host at KISW, BJ Shea. BJ, welcome. Thank you so much. Uh, what such kind words. And, you know, I, I feel compelled to say equally nice things about you guys. I just don't really. We don't have that kind today. of time. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I find that really you were all very very annoying, and I just just you know I thought well I'll let them hang out with me maybe that'll accomplish something in sure. their lives. Uh, I said you know th really thank you so much guys. Uh, that's um, Spike. I could say the same thing about you when I first met you. I, I thought one of the most talented guys I'd ever met. Funny as all get out, and it was so great to you know meet somebody who I was like man you know I love just getting together with somebody who I think can make me better. Joe taught me. A, a completely different way to be entertaining and funny. And uh, and I just studied that a lot, had no idea it would help me when I got to Seattle because Joe being into Seattle native, basically. And Bob, I mean, uh, you have just, I mean, what kind of career would I have had? None. I mean, you were such, you've been such a great advocate for me over the years. And when I shot myself in the foot, you were always there with first aid. Uh, uh, let's, <laughs> let's stop licking each other's boots and tell the stories. Let's yeah. tell the stories. There's a lot of stuff. The only story is this, is that in those days of morning show boot camp, everybody was drinking, carousing, and partying. You and I were the only ones that if there was any social media back then, they would have been like, God, these two guys are boring. Let's go watch something else. <laughs> I remember we... an early early morning show boot camp. You could tell a story where I believe all the rest of the guys and even gals, uh, because I think it was maybe it was in Atlanta. It was Atlanta. Genius was the club. Yeah. All decided to go to a strip club. <laughs> and you and I looked at each other. And, and, and by the way, in later years, we would actually go to one. That's hilarious, too. But you and I looked at each other and went, why would we want to do that? You remember what we did instead? Uh, we went to go see Star Trek, I believe. Did we see a there Star Trek? It was a new movie? Star Trek movie coming out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, truth be told, Bob, here's the thing. Truth be told, uh, you know, because as a as a performer, <laughs> you know, you were legendary in the business. And I would have, I think I would have gone to do anything with you because of the opportunity to spend time with somebody who, frankly, was not... You were you were so far above my level. So when the opportunity came where everybody was doing X, Y, and Z, and then you said, "Hey, buddy, would you like to go do this?" and I'm and, and I'm like, "Yeah," <laughs> I mean, because normally I couldn't get the time of day with somebody of your stature, which says so much for you. It was tough to break into somebody uh, when you're a young person like myself, and I was a sidekick, and you know we're from Rochester. And here's a guy that just was, you, you were so successful in so many different markets and you were like, hey, let's go hang out. And I thought, oh my gosh, I, this, are you kidding me? This is a great opportunity. And you have been 
nothing but a great mentor. And I think now you've even right, allowed right, me. Right, but no more looking. More stories. More yeah, stories. Oh, you want to so this then we to love the place. We, we, we know the real truth. Real truth. We've been in Usherette's <laughs> leg in the dark like a Warren Zevon song. And, by the uh, way, by the way, BJ, let me counterpoint because your story is and, and this is an interesting thing, uh, a study in human character. Your story was your perception of me. My perception was here we are at this boot camp, and here's this crazy guy who will stand up and speak his mind. Remember, guys, some of the things BJ used to say? He used to stand up and insult programmers. He used to say, What you're saying is total BS. And he would. And he had this reality, which I think you probably got a little of that from Brother Weez, where he would speak truth to power. I wish I could remember a specific story. Joe, you might remember a specific story. Remember how he used to tear down the whole room? Well, I just remember any time BJ or Spike would stand up, everybody else would go, oh, yeah. no, here it comes. Uh, they were both uh, kind of known for saying yeah. it like it was. And, and I'm a, think, yeah. yeah Spike and I, I think unofficially said it's like one once one of us spoke, the other one said, "Okay, it's on." We just had that's exactly friendly, right. Like, that's exactly we're right. Friendly, <laughs> we're going to tear this place apart. We'll show the rest of these guys, even these other hosts. They don't have anything on us. And, and I, I would, really, I love that because I felt like I got a brother in arms over here with Spike. So my my counterpoint to what you said is, I was a good show host. I worked hard on my radio voice. I, you know, wrote song parodies. I produced stuff. And on the air, I was essentially uh, a pretty even-handed host who didn't take strong opinions. So when I saw BJ taking strong opinions, I thought, oh, I'm too scared to do that. I need to hang out with him more and find out what his thought process is. So we were each hanging out with the other uh, and it's sort of like a 12-step program in a sense because the other had something we wished we had. BJ was always getting fired by management, was always getting in trouble <laughs> for, for what he said. And you would see me as management really likes this guy. And and, and, and so in, in some way, I wanted, to, I wanted to become edgier and he wanted to become better businessman. I don't know. I didn't know I wanted to become a better businessman. I just wanted to somehow stay at the same place and have some success. Keep a, keep a job. Keep a job. You go into work every day and they let you come in the next day. You know, Bob, the funny thing, uh, you talk about really circumstances. The reason I was the way I was the first time I went to that convention, and it's a story, I, I don't know if you've ever heard this story, but I, a week prior to going to that convention, I went to a baseball game in Cleveland and literally caught a very bad rash on a very sensitive part of my body. And I mean, to the point where driving home from Cleveland to Rochester, I was so itchy in this sensitive part of my body, I had to go to a drugstore and embarrassingly describe to the, the, the cashier I need something for a certain part because it's on fire. And eventually I got to a doctor. Okay, and they, they, this is a podcast, me. you know, so you can say what the what the part was. Yeah, I, well, but, you know, I think, you know, I mean, at this point, if you don't know what part of the body I'm talking about, you don't well, want me to Well, it's got to be the rear it. or the front. Take a look at the face. Do you want me now to start describing what the rest of me looks <laughs> no, like? No, I actually don't. No, <laughs> like, that's a good point. So, but, uh, so I eventually went to a doctor 
and they gave me a steroid cream because nothing worked. I whatever they gave me at the drugstore, I slathered all over my body, and I was still it was spreading too, Bob. It was it was okay. like oh my god, I'm I've had that. Spread, and and steroid, a uh, uh, harsh steroid cream is the one thing that works. I'm surprised you yeah, went to a convenience store and not a pharmacy. Well, eventually I had to go to a doctor because okay. it didn't work. But I mean, you're, when you're in the, when you're in the, on the I ninety, you're kind of like you're on the throughway. You got to get what you can get. Eventually, going to a doctor gave you the steroid. But I didn't, this was like such a harsh steroid. I had no idea that it was making me aggressive, like I was in wrestling. Oh, and, you know, so this was a, wait a minute. This was a side effect of medication. It was. I remember Wee's looking at me like, what is wrong with you? Everything is bothering you. Like somebody gets up and says, hey, welcome to food camp. And I'm like, shut up. And I get up there. Oh, I hate you and I will kill your family. Uh, meanwhile, I'm standing there and going, this guy has real balls. I wish I, I had balls. I, 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 I love him. I love him. Yeah. yeah. I was saying the East Coast, they just do it different on the East Coast. I, Why can't you do it like too. that? And a Bostonian. Yeah. Uh, oh, and, and, and Wee's and would say, Ah, uh, that BJ, I think he's on his period again. Here he goes. You know, that was always. So even though we looked like we were having fun, he was just like, will you please stop putting the spotlight on us? And uh, but as it turns out, he goes on the stage and does his version of what he thinks is a great oh, yeah. situation. Yeah. And um, and his I, host, you know, by the way, BJ Shea was inducted two years ago into yeah. the Radio Hall of Fame. Yeah. And by you all know, accounts, he got up on stage with no script. And tore the house down with his stories. Oh, he was talking about somebody's breast surgery up there. And, and <laughs> she did not want that. She didn't talk to tell him the story. So he would go up and tell it in front of the Hall of Fame. That's just who he is. He's like, hey, anyway, let me tell you about this lady's boobs. Anyway, she's got, I mean, it's like somehow he's going to use that to accept his award for his great years of broadcasting by talking about her breasts. And somehow he did that. that but he is a brilliant storyteller, and the story you tell about how you felt like your show was affected by by what he did. So many people in the industry, Jeff and yeah. Jared, great radio show in San Diego. Sure. They also say the same thing. Yeah, I was so fortunate to work with him because what we had, I did not have in me till I started working with him and realizing, right. holy cow, this guy is doing radio completely different than anybody who's ever taught me. Mm. And management was frustrated, Bob. I fought with management all the time because. You know, I was the producer of the Wii show, and he'd be like, you need to go talk to that guy and tell him to stop doing what he's doing. And the guy's got like a monster rating already, and I'm and he's making more money than all of us put together. And I just said to the manager, I go, look, here's how I know life works. The guy that makes the most money pretty much calls the shots. So why don't you stop bothering me? And, and so he never got along after the, that. And, that's the testicular yeah. fortitude I, I wouldn't have had. I would have said, yes, sir, let me go speak with him. And then and I would have spoke with him and I would have said, you know, I spoke with management and they want you to stop talking about the receptionist's breasts. And there's, you know, there's ramifications. And, uh, but it, and he did catch serious flack at some points, but He's in the he's in the freaking Hall of Fame, and he did an amazing job. And at some point, you decided you wanted to do your own show, and that's how you got to Seattle, right? Yes, I always wanted to do my own show. It's just you know how it is in the world. You step stone the way that you go about it. You, I know from early on, it feels like you've always hosted your own show because I was I I followed you when we were both in Massachusetts and you were on mm -hmm. WAAF and. Um, my way in was basically producer and then sidekick. And I didn't get my own show until really after working with Wheeze uh, in Rochester. I went to San Francisco for a, a year and 
then to Jacksonville, then to Phoenix because of you, because you recommended me to the company that you worked for at the, at, at the same time, and then bounced back to Rochester. And then the, the, the weird thing was, is that I was offered a job in Rochester. I lost one job, but I got a, another job offer. But then you came along, you little temptress, and you were like, you know, BJ, there's a talk radio opening, a talk radio show opening, and um, I think you should be there. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, and you're like, okay, I mean, I, I, but I mean, they don't know who I am. They don't care about me. And you're like, don't worry about that. Leave that to me. Uh, and the story I love to tell is that Eric, who you guys, um, you know, Eric Corman, you yeah. About, Eric Corman, yeah, fantastic guy. Well, I really, really love Eric. Has no idea how to do radio, though. Uh, and uh, <laughs> something luckily, I would never say to Eric. I think he's wonderful, uh, but he's a I, he, he's a calm. He he's a calm, not divisive, no drama person. Which is these yeah. days, if you don't, if you can't split people in two camps and have them chuck spears and torches and pitchforks at each other, it's hard to get an audience. But yes. Yeah, I've told Eric this uh, before, you know, you thought I would be good to do this talk station. And so I I, I had no, I, I only had the the tape that I had. I was doing female targeted radio, sort of like a, you know, sort of like a, hey, the hits of the 80s and 90s girls, you know. And so I had, I sent that along. Eric listens to it because the program director couldn't be bothered. Eric he was the assistant station. program director at Cairo, by the way. Uh, yeah. The irony of all this now is that Spike has his own show at the very same broadcast company yeah. that all of this yeah. happened at uh so you you said i remember thank god you, eric isn't there I, spike you might not be there if eric was in charge there, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> eric gets the tape i remember this because i did the follow-up call i said eric did you hear my tape uh, from my friend bj he said yeah i really didn't hear anything in it and it really didn't have any pizzazz and blah blah, blah, blah. and I, and he threw it in the trash i said all right eric maybe so because of where he's working at but let me just tell you this when I meet this guy, even if we go into a Baskin Robbins, he is entertaining the $7, actually it used to be $5, and our employees who are making our ice cream, and he's interviewing them, and he's asking them, you know, what they aspire to do with their lives, and, he's, and, and they all laugh at him, and, and I said, he can walk into any room and entertain someone, and forget about the tape, you need to bring him out and have him audition, and... uh Eric, who became my right-hand man, by the way, and super uh, important to the success of our show, Eric took my word and called you. Did he call you out for an audition or did you do it remotely? Well, you know, you remember that he worked for somebody else. I tell a different story oh, yeah. than you do. I, I make we, uh, you sound so much you, better. We tell different stories story. about even each other. Oh, like you're yeah, saying Bob was this huge you, thing, and I'm like, I wish I was as huge as he is. Oh, and his ball. I, I have a great story. But I, now that I know that your balls were itching oh, so much, God. I don't really wish oh, I had as much as I yeah, did. Yeah, I mean, let me tell you, get a little itch down there, and you're going to be a hero. I tell everybody how you were my champion, how you threatened the company. You went to the program director that gave the job to Eric, and you said, I will never bring anybody to the station again unless you give Bob boy in audition i really made you look like a hero well and now i find out you're like you know hey man i was diplomatic crazy. about it but th of course i was doing yeah. that but i did it in i did it in diplomacy voice i basically oh, I said you stabbed people i really i wanted you to be 
I so, really wanted you to, yeah, to be the hero of the, you know, like I don't remember Skywalker. exactly what came out of this, but I remember that they they called you and you had an audition. I can't remember whether you flew to Seattle or you did it remotely. Uh, they took me uh, because the company owned some stations in Rochester, so they let me go audition okay. in the station did it in remotely. Rochester. Yeah. And from and, that uh, one live experience. Yeah, they were like, oh, this guy may have something. He's interesting. Uh, and the irony is, is that they made Eric be the producer of my show—the <laughs> guy that didn't want to work with me, or the guy and that the didn't guy, think I was worth it. And the guy that doesn't love controversy all that much is now uh, your um, what do you call the a wrangler? He's your wrangler. Uh, but and he I don't loves know if you. you. He loved I don't you. Know if you remember this? Yeah. I don't know if you remember this though, Bob. I used to hammer you hard about Eric because I knew how good he was, and he was so undervalued by the company. Mm -hmm. Even though he threw my tape in the trash, he is an amazing human being, one of my dear friends to this day. And I always let him. I always let him remember, you're really good. You make a lot of good moves, and you know, except that time when you threw my tape in the trash might have been not one of your shining <laughs> yeah. moments. So, um, all right. So let's yeah. let's fast forward because we've only got a, an hour ish or so. Oh, I want yeah, to tell so, yeah, Sorry. I, well, the six hour I, yeah, podcast. Are... I, I blame Spike every time we get together. <laughs> Spike's interrupting happens. us constantly. Yeah, Spike. Yeah, Spike, why don't you take a sidebar here? Because obviously, the two of us see the we both see the <laughs> same story entirely differently. Well, you BJ came into a, a, a situation in Seattle with the Buzz Radio for Guys, and it was like you were given carte blanche to be the most aggressive and un, politically incorrect version of yourself, and no one else had that kind of runway. And you literally Except built the Tom Likas. Well, 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 yeah, Tom Likas was on the same station, yeah, 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 right? Same station though. So, you, yeah. and so you had that was if if Likas was was okay to say what he said. The world was your oyster, and you hucked a loogie in it and served it to people every day. I've never heard anybody do the kind of stuff you guys were doing at the Buzz, and I'm just like, holy crap! That kind of un unbridled, un unguardrailed radio. I mean, you found a Give way to make some examples. Give me some examples of of BJ show. Ah, oh, it's I, hard to I, remember. I, 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 I can't remember what I did today, but I, 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 I some I, of it involved same-sex couples in the studio with you. Well, I'm, I remember that you, Bob, were very, very careful what you would let us do. And BJ would have let us do anything. So I was a little jealous. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, like some, some of the twisted tunes we wanted to make. And you're like, no, I'm like, I'm like screamer. My girlfriend is a screamer. You're like, no. Yeah, no, we're not. Yeah. No, we're not doing that. You know, Bob, I don't think it, do you, Spike, do you remember when I Bob let me sit in and try to contribute to a twisted tune? And I did try to put stuff like that in there. And Bob immediately <laughs> asked me to leave the studio. She lives her life with a candle in her rim. I'm like, what? Okay, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm like, Bob, what's wrong with you? You don't know how to do this business. It's not like you've actually had records put out by a It's funny. Couple. Joe and I, even to this day, have more. Uh, he's even more family friendly because he's he's teaching uh, teenagers. But, Joe, we were always, you know, we don't want it to go too far. We want to. Uh, in fact, the word I would say is, well, let's not be as obscene, but let's be clever, uh, clever obscene. Bob, and, you wrote you wrote everything like your mom was going to pass judgment on it. Yeah, well. you, you everything was like, which was great because it 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 gave us the the it kept us from going too far and blowing it. It really right. did. Speaking of going too far and blowing it, so BJ is on the air, and and, and I, I I don't want to get too graphic with this, but Tom Likas is, is because he's syndicated and because he's number one twenty five fifty four. 
he is doing the most risque radio that you could possibly do. And uh, and uh, remember his caller abortions. Uh, remember, he, he would tell guys that if you don't like what that woman does, you should smack her across the ass. No one could say that today and and shouldn't have, in my view, said it then. But his show was captivating. You uh, you had to listen. He had to whip him. Was it whip him out Wednesdays? Wednesdays? What did he call yeah, it? Last uh, Friday. Last Friday. Opie and Anthony did whip him out Wednesday. Okay, so it's uh, the same. Yeah. It's a syndicated bit. They just picked a different day. Um, right. But he would have he would encourage women to expose themselves to truck drivers. And, you know, this kind of stuff always sort of works uh, for men at a certain of a certain age who are, you know, lonely and haven't yet developed skills to meet real women yet. And oh, but BJ. Trying. Yeah. But BJ, you were in some ways more clever. You were you were exploring sexuality. I remember this story. You uh, if we can tell it, you. um had, I believe, never had another woman but your wife. Is that right? Oh, boy. I, uh, I, will, not not tell tell my kids, I will not tell my kids about this podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they don't. Come on. They know this story, don't they? No, they actually, uh, I don't believe they do because they were really young at the time. Uh, but, I mean, look, it is out there. But you're right. Yeah. Uh, All right. Just a uh, quick my, note to our technical guy, yeah. Dave. Uh, so that's part yeah. of the tease for this show. So that BJ's kids can oh, learn the oh, story. Oh well, uh, yeah. And by the oh, way, that's well, our uh, that's our uh, webmaster Dave, who, uh, who and hi, that's Dave. his that's his grow operation behind him. He's a he's a big uh, medicinal guy. Okay, Dave. Okay. You need it. So um, let's. But, I'll let you take the lead because I don't know how far you want to go with it. Well, yeah. Uh, boy, oh boy, this is a um, this is a, basically. Um, whoo! Yeah, this is this is. A, so this, this, by the way, this, this speaks of getting older. Would, yeah. would you ever tell your kids about your sex life? You kind of don't ever do that. Uh, but my wife and I, well, we had a, a we, we just had, we, we were like, hey, let's just see everything in life. Let's experience it all uh, kind of people. And there was a, a, a point of our life where my wife's like, and, and both of us were like, hey, you know what I mean? We've been married for a while. And, I, and my wife's like, you've never been with anybody. It might be kind of fun for you to see what that's like. And uh, so there was this, this, this coupon for like, go check out a professional woman, uh, you know, in, in, in a legal situation. And so that's, uh, and, and so that's, that's the core of the story. By the go, way, by the way, can I interrupt for just a second comedically? Yeah. I'm trying to be as PC as I to watch can, the guy who it. used to rip the house down on his yeah, steroided I, I rage, know, sit I here and know. go, well, yeah. I mean, I have a daughter and it's just like, she's old enough to give me such grief over this. You know, you don't think of it. You don't think of that all those years ago when it's a little seven year old, you know, ah, she doesn't know what's going on. Well, now she's 32 and I'm like, oh my God, she's going to be like, what, what father, what, what transcribed in your life? Can, can um, I, can I help you end this story in my diploma? I would like to, I think you're going to have to help me explain okay. the story to my daughter. Uh, I'm going to have you I, take over. I do have a burning question though, from yeah. what I'm gathered, because I Don't haven't heard burning, the story. Joe. I, use, I, I use protection. There was no burning, Joe. Well, if, if, if my, and my wife isn't going to do this, I know. And I'm, I don't, if, if so though, I mean, did she give you a budget? I mean, you want, you want. <laughs> yes, she did. It was, I can tell you, Joe. 
Yes, and the coupon was not for the top shelf model. I'll just tell you that. <laughs> because like, it's a what am I going to do with 25 bucks? I mean, she wants a pretty good one because you've got to bring, mean, you know, you're coming back to home after that. Yeah, for 25 bucks, I don't even get to go to the best part of Aurora. I just don't even yeah. get that. I mean, it's. Uh, was it Aurora or was it the stranger? Uh, I have to say it was actually probably Vegas because it's oh. illegal to do those things except in certain parts of Las Vegas. And that's what my counsel has advised me to say. And I'm here and it's completely a waste <laughs> of time for me to think about that because, uh, you know, at you know, Bob, I, 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 I would like to say this, even though it's not, uh, you know, about, about that, which is a lot well, of great stuff. Let me put a finish on oh, that you, because okay, there, finish, finish and I'm not going to call, I don't know if you want to put up. I'm not going to call this a happy ending, but it truly is a happy <laughs> ending. Um, Because I remember listening. At this point, you were a favorite show of mine and a friend. And I felt that I had helped you in your career. And so it meant a lot to me. And you were still edgy in ways I could never be. And I remember I remember the end of this bit was you talking about how it wasn't worth it wasn't worth it. It wasn't any big deal. There was no excitement to it. (laughs) <laughs> no, but you you basically came out for marriage at the end of it. You said that there was nothing about it that you would want to repeat, and and it was kind of cold and impersonal, like most transactions, right? That are not yeah. emotional. And you and you I, taught me that, Bob. I'm not not about not like, in that way. Know, not about <laughs> no. Uh, probably you taught me about that kind of radio. I mean, like we knew what we we were supposed to be doing. You had Tom Likas. It was supposed to be just radio for guys, blah, blah, blah. And it took us a while to, we we were called Likas clones for the longest time. It took us a while for us to find our footing, but I always wanted to have like like basically a moral to the story, whatever it was. And the reason we became popular, it was because the company that, you know, your company and my company at the time, we were a crappy station they didn't care about. And they never gave us anybody good. And they gave me, they gave me people, one of them who hated me. I had no idea how much this person hated me. And on my first day of working, this was a person that would put no calls through. He would mm-hmm. write on my screen how boring I was. And the other guy would just laugh about it. And it was so frustrating. It was like, I, I never felt so alone, so frustrated because I had two people in the studio that did not give a damn. And they were the worst employees the company had to offer. The company did not care. They just wanted to fill the spot because they just they, they, they just didn't care about the station. I remember going home to my wife and complaining. And I would go through the whole thing. Honey, my, this whole day was horrible. He wouldn't put through phone calls. And he kept telling me how boring I was and, and uh, on the screen. And she started laughing. And, she, and so you ever have that moment where you're talking to your spouse and it's really important to you and that they just laugh yeah, at And they you ridicule and you. Like, you. Uh, and like, show of hands, anybody who's had that moment. Yeah. Joe is delicate with the hands. Yes. It's part of the, part of the deal. So I'm seeing red and I go, I cannot believe you're being this way. And she said, honey, honey, I'm really not laughing at you. She said, it's just so ridiculous. It's like a sitcom, how they've done this. And then a light bulb went off in my head. And I thought, it was just like, I love the way my mind works. Um, I thought, wait a minute. If she thinks this is funny, I wonder if anybody else would think this is funny. So the next day I go back to those two guys who hate my guts. 
and I bring them in the room, and they're like, they're ready because they say, okay, he's gonna be mad. Because, and I said, you know what you guys did yesterday? And they're like, yeah. So I go, you do the same exact thing today, except but you, you're gonna be on the air instead of typing things to me. You break in and tell me how bad I am, and you, you keep laughing, but you put your mic on, and the rest became history as we created this show. Which yeah, we had all the stuff that we did, but the the fun part of our show was nobody really did anything I wanted to do. I was a talk show host trying to do a talk show with people who were idiots. And and they weren't collaborating. They weren't collaborating with you in any way. They weren't part of the show until you brought them in and gave them the freedom to be what you were at Morning Show Bootcamp. And that is what I learned from you, to always look for the opportunity to create something like that. You know, your mind is that way. You look at everybody you encounter and think, how can I put this person on the show in the best way for it to be entertaining? I've seen you do that so many times. And I thought, this, I think, I think Bob would do. I remember, I I think Bob would do this. I think this is how he would approach this. And we had a blast. Be, then we all of a sudden no longer got the Lycus comparisons anymore because we were very different. And then my my truth telling about my relationship with my wife, which is something Lycus could never do, it it all of a sudden became right. different where I would basically, I'm not a happy wife, happy life guy. I would call my wife an idiot on the air. And that was so vicarious for all the guys. You remember Dan Lewis, the, uh, the, the ABC News yeah, local host? Yeah. I didn't even know he knew about me. He came on the show one day. And he brings me over. He says, I listen to you every day. How do you get away with saying about your wife what you say? He said, believe me, I love every minute of it, but I would be so done in my house. And I knew then I was like, wow, we are onto something by just this honesty and truthfulness yep. about this. Um, what did you call them? Uh, your listeners, fun. you called them H-holes, right? Honest Holes, which was kind of like the old Dennis Leary song, <laughs> I'm an A-hole. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. You're, remember, remember Dave? Uh, Dave, who's now the pilot? Uh, God, I thought I met him through him. Dave. Oh, I can't think of his last name. But anyway, this guy, Dave, wrote an H-hole song for me. And um, it was being I'm an honest hole. People hate what I say because I'm speaking the truth. And at the time, I felt it was perfect in a land of politically correct culture in Seattle, where a lot of men felt that they said the wrong thing. The women in their lives would be angry at them. So they never did. But I was that guy that said, I don't care about your wife. I'm not married to her. I'll tell her she's an idiot. You know, I was that kind of guy. And the H hole thing caught on, and uh, it, it and, and and really none of this happens if I don't meet you guys, know you guys, and learn from you guys. I learned so much from Spike because Spike taught me how to be a little bit more fun with me because I tended to get a little angry, and I'd watch yeah. Spike perform. And Spike, ever since that steroid incident, yeah. But I mean, Spike. Spike always, you know, whatever Spike was doing, you just love the guy. And I thought, I need more of that lovability because I don't think people love me as much as they love Spike. And, uh, it was a two-way um, street, by the way, because yeah. at various times, uh, there were times when Spike and I, as brothers on the air, he had this extremely uh, strong ego. And we're both alphas, okay? Joe was the beta for all of us. Joe's, Joe was, anytime we needed to not be angry and come back to something with heart, we would just pause and Joe would go, this is my time to say something really heartwarming. And Joe also knew what you're talking about, to make fun of himself. Joe would, uh, and so you think you might have learned it from us, but in a way, I learned the drama part of it from you. It was like, oh yeah, we don't have enough drama. And prior to you, I wouldn't necessarily try to piss off Joe. 
or I wouldn't take, or, or not piss off Joe. It's Spike. I tried to piss off. I wouldn't try to, um, I, I wouldn't, tr but, but Joe, we made fun with, but I would worry about, you know, if it hurt his feelings. And then when he's telegraphed that, no, I'm going to, I'm going to go along with the gag, but then he would cleverly get us back with his, you know, real slow drawn out humor that would show, and he would act like he didn't know much. And then he would say something that would let you know that, oh, he was not only in on it, he was eight steps ahead of us, partially because we never let him talk. Joe? Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant, right. Joe. I always love that about you. My dad said a few times, he goes, you know, those guys are pretty lucky because uh, you're the one that keeps them from getting fired. Because they'd say a lot of really <laughs> stupid yep. stuff yep. for about five minutes, and then I would try to... I would try to uh, mend the bridge a little bit and then we would move on. Yeah. Uh, but, but I, I mean, I, I talk about wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be mentoring other uh, broadcasters if it weren't for you guys and Bob and especially, I mean, I learned so much from, from all of you and, uh, and I may not have got to say as much, but that gave me a lot more time to think, think. about something halfway funny to say. When it yes. was finally my turn. Spike and I, we're so talking so fast. Well, the words are coming out faster than our brains can keep up sometimes. And so you think you think about what you're going to say before you say it? A little bit, that's, yeah. That's why I was always the first one, and I still do this. People are like, how are you getting here so early? Classes start at 8 o'clock. I'm here at 5.36 in the morning because I'm not that smart. I need time to, you know, think, <laughs> to write stuff down, to, even to keep up with 15-year-olds. I need the extra time, you know, and that's By the way, way it was with I, you guys. I, I, wanna, I, I have three favorite quotes from my sponsor, my 12-step sponsor. Uh, and I spoke to him last week and Joe just reminded me of the most important one. This may be the, if you want to be an entertainer, if you want to get along with your wife, if you want to have good relationships, this is Henry, my sponsor, you know, Henry, some of you a little bit. He says, anyone who is willing to accept their ignorance is teachable. And his sponsor his grand, my grand sponsor, we actually call that, said, whatever I teach, that's what I need to learn. Whatever I think I need to teach someone else, it's because I recognize it in me. And then the third one is a Shakespeare uh, quote, which I think applies to all of us. All the world's a stage. We are but players. And I think that um, even in our lives, now I'm retired, uh, but I, I used to do a broadcast. Now I do a one cast when I'm talking with someone. And... <clears throat> Um, and the goal is the same. The goal is to connect. The goal is to somehow be useful in their lives and to have them be useful to you because I'm not doing this for nothing. And, um, and, and what's interesting about hearing this story is that each of us have our own perception. BJ and I have almost opposing perceptions. I'm like, this guy is really good. I need to hang around with him. He's like, this guy is really good. I need to hang around with him. It's like, no, no, no. Um, so it, it's fun. So uh, we have to tell the story of the strip club in New Orleans. This is probably 10 years into our being friends. And we have done all the boring things. We've basically skipped all the rowdy parties, the drinking and everything. And one night, BJ and I found ourselves in New Orleans. And, um, and, and I don't know which one of us said it, but, you know, we should go to a strip club. 
and and we we looked at each other and you know went like yeah, if we're having one in Rome or one in New Orleans, and so yeah, in New Orleans you have to. So dumb and dumber I felt like we were when it comes to strip clubs, and so the goofy duo we head out you know walking for the worst part of town, and you remember where we stopped first? Oh, this was like. You interviewing the girls uh, at Baskin Robbins. I want to let you, my, uh, my All right, brain if it comes to you, remember when you remind, yes. We'll trade being each me. other's sidekick on this story, okay. Sadly, I have been to a few strip clubs, so I'm not sure which story. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Embarrassingly so, I have been to a couple. Uh, uh, I would love to know which one of us was the last one to visit, but we'll save that for the end of the show. So, um, uh, so we're walking towards this bad area, because that's where the strip clubs are, although that's everywhere in New Orleans, but we see two policemen on the street and BJ stops to interview the policeman. I mean, I could, I would say talk oh, to the policeman, but you yes. remember this. Yeah. He stops to, and, and by the way, remember all the world's a stage. We're always doing a show. BJ is always doing a show, even when we're not. And so he comes up to the policeman and he goes something like, uh, so we're looking for a little hot fun in a strip club. You guys, which, you know, something like, which ones do you guys bust the most? <laughs> something like that. Like, like, I can't believe he's saying that to play, you know, and the policemen are like, they've heard and seen it all. And, and uh, I don't remember exactly what they said, but I remember a few lines. Uh, one of them said, don't keep walking in that direction more than a block or two. You want to go this way. And so uh, we find ourselves in a house of, Strip repute. And, and now I realize this. It was a learning experience I, because I never really did this. Um, you walk in there and you're a mark. You are a wallet. <laughs> and to BJ, we're doing a bit for the radio, even though there is no radio. And so, you know, a girl comes up and it's like these two nerdy guys and she starts engaging us in talk. And BJ, I remember you start to You don't remember the story the way I do, but you start negotiating with her. So, what's on the menu? What's the? I, I'm new to this game. Uh, it's and and and, and sort of acting like, um, let's can we be friends? Will we be really friends? Or, or or you know, and and what's weird is, as long as you give them a little money every once in a while. Like you, you must have some color to add to this play-by-play. -play. They'll, they'll they'll talk your ear off because it's a lot easier than get anything else off. Of what, <laughs> That's you know, true. That's pretty true. much exactly. And and they're and like you want me to actually you care what I think as that opposed was, to like yes. you know yes. yeah there was you know. there was some surprise there, and we kept talking and I realized maybe after forty-five minutes, oh, the only reason she's here is for the money. And, and you know what? The only reason we're here is for the fun interaction and learn a little something about a profession. Because if you're a radio person, you're curious about every profession. And, and, and we're here to, you know, see what it's like. And at some point, you and I just looked at each other and went, well, that was fun. All right. Thank you. Good night. And we, you know, <laughs> nothing. Yeah. Nothing. No happy ending. Uh, no, well, not even a happy beginning. Yeah. 
you know, Bob, they're entertainers just like us. So I yes. really felt that common ground. I thought, mm. you know, really, what a, <laughs> we're both getting paid to entertain people. And I'm not sure whose profession is actually cleaner, if you will. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm it's not sure honest. on the yeah. totem pole who's actually higher or lower on the quality entertainment. Um, yeah, but I, I, I always felt. You know, I, I just felt. Are like you going to have to have a talk with your daughter about both these topics before the, yeah. this podcast well, is released? The, the strip show is, is not a problem because my okay. daughter, you know, she's very. I mean, she loves doing that or stuff. My daughter is just like me and, and has. Yeah. A, a, Sarah, Sarah knows. Kid. Sarah knows the whole game, right? She's a, she's an yeah, not the entire game because look, there are no kids that want to hear anything about the sex lives. Of oh yeah, okay. It's so a pull my finger moment. I got it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah they totally never want to yeah. hear that. No yeah. matter how cool you think you are they're like no that is an ugly thing to picture you yep. old prune you please be quiet um let's talk about I, the transition from for you getting the job at kisw and the in between howard stern was there for we go off the air and quit because we're going over to cbs were you on the air at that time? Were you were you on the bus? Yeah, I uh, when you yeah you when you left, oh, yeah, um, I was That's still a long doing middays. Start. Yeah, yeah, it was a great. I love that stuff. I I predicted that was going to happen just based upon a certain. Uh, Tell a short version of it. Tell a short version of it. Well, I, 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 uh, you know, I'm going to just say this. The company I work for and the management team we have now, fantastic. I want to say that just so that when I talk about the miserable group of managers we had before, uh, that they (laughs) won't think it's the people that I'm talking about now. Uh, Great. I mean, for the last really 15 years, it's been an amazing situation, the people I've gotten to work with. First five years with the company, yeah, they are the worst of the worst work there. They really were. They they had no business running a temperature, let alone a radio station. And so <laughs> I'm there. They have employees that are out of control. I get in a situation where basically, unbeknownst to management, I find myself on the uh, basically getting getting fired. And management didn't even know that was going down. And then when they found out, they, there wasn't anything they could do about it. We had to go to arbitration. And in arbitration, they called people to testify. And I'm not sure if they were helping me. And Bob, I have to tell you, I was because I got along with the two managers that that were didn't know this was happening. They knew you. Um, were good. They liked you. They liked me. And those and two the show were great was people. good. The show was good. Yeah, you, it, you did some stuff that Lycus could have gotten away with in a heartbeat, which is how you won. How that's you won how I the won arbitration. the case. Yeah, but they uh, thought they thought you were going to be the star witness against me. I and was called. I know you. Yeah. Yes. I was I know called. You. I was called by the company to represent a talk show host who has moral standards and would never do something like what BJ did. And I was, and I didn't know this, but when you have a union, um, when you have a union arbitration, he's sitting there with the union guy who's representing the talent and the station really, I mean, you can't fire someone who's union without good cause. And you have to demonstrate it. He was off the air. uh, And I was called into this session by the company See, we're just calling it the company. I like that. It's so we're so polite, um, and it's so good to see you polite at this stage in your life too. It's really fun. Um, so we get called. <laughs> we get called in by the company, and, and they asked me, "Would you testify as to where the line is and how you do a good morning show and how you don't cross the line and how you don't get into trouble? You're the one who never gets into trouble." And I'm like, "Well, it's kind of good. I got Joe, <laughs> who's a moral compass." 
and um and i got spike to take the heat and you know i just i'm the host so i go into this thing and bj's sitting there and it's just you and the union representative and i'm on the side with the company a company representative and a lawyer i think they they always try to out you know who wants to win the lawsuit outnumbers you with the number of seats so it's just oh, they had a good team. They had oh. lots of no. It was a yeah. It was David and Goliath, baby. Yes, it was David and Goliath. And I I went, well, why am I on Goliath's side? I really love David. And so it comes to a point where they ask me where uh, if my program. This was the question uh, because you were supposed to have some standards, and they were saying you did violate them. And to me, the standard was Tom Likas. If that's what's number one on the station, that's what you got to be like. Anyway, they said something to me about, uh, so where do you get, when you have a line that you do not cross, uh, who draws the line for you? How does your program director communicate it? And I said, the program director doesn't even talk to me about that stuff. As long as our show is getting ratings, the program director you know, just smiles and says, great job <laughs> and not the answer we wanted sir no and they're like well so but you still you are you, you are good you haven't gotten in trouble how do you where does that line come from to you and i and i seriously looked right at the questioner and i said that comes from my mother and i think at that moment they were like i wonder if those two guys are friends <laughs> <laughs> And, um, yeah. and, and in the end, I said, look, radio guys need ratings and ratings, you know, I, I said, man cow, uh, remember man cow Mueller uh, from Chicago, man cow stopped traffic on the Golden Gate Bridge to give someone a haircut, which prevented Hillary Clinton from uh, from getting to a campaign stop or something like that. And 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 I and, and, and they said, well, what happened to him for that? I said, he got a bigger job in a bigger city. And so that's kind of how it works, but it's, it's about getting your ratings. And um, at this point, they actually stopped asking me questions. <laughs> and that's when BJ played a tape of Tom Likas. Oh, caller abortions. Smack that biatch across the ass. I mean, the stuff that, th that they played was, and they basically, they went, oh, we have no case. And I love this about radio because um, you were back on the air. Because and uh, you you know if we don't give our agent Paul Anderson any love here, he oh, yeah, probably yeah, yeah. will cancel us. <laughs> That's uh, right. I mean, we, we both have yeah, the same have agent. To, yeah, yeah. He he was the one that recommended that I call them back and ask anyway, my job back. So, so after yeah, it, it was it was him that helped that happen. After I had done what I so admired, BJ's ability to do which is to speak truth to power bj comes up to me and said have you got another job and you're about to quit <laughs> I, I do it i, like, I know you love me but you love your job better you would never be this this road to the you country. would not be this way and i, I mean i know you love me i thought it was a very right. polite diplomatic f you but um yeah. I, I said yeah. uh, I said, yeah, we're going. And for, after that hearing, I don't know if you guys know this. After that hearing, I went across the street to another building in the center of town where we met Lisa Decker and signed the contracts with KZOK. And so an hour later, I'm wearing a KZOK T-shirt. I was like, that was really perceptive of BJ. And um, 
you know, and I know, I know my buddy. <laughs> and I, this is why he gives us, he gives me a lot of credit because, you know, I probably deserve it, but um, he stayed on the air and then we were direct competitors. Uh, it was after Stern that you went to KISW and they blew up uh, the buzz. And, and we suddenly realized we're going to be direct competitors across the street. And I was like, I'm fine with that. Uh, let's be number one and number two, I was which not. we were. Yeah. Do you remember you, what you said, by the way? No. You don't. I don't know if you remember this. Spike, Joe, I, I, it, this, this was amazing what kind of a man, and you guys already know this about Bob, but when he said you have to come to Rochester, and then when it was happening, when they said we're going to bring you, you're going to do this midday show, Bob said, ah, I mean, he said, he's like, I know what's going to happen, going to bring you to Rochester, you're eventually going to get a morning show and beat me in the ratings, but I still think it's the right thing for me to do. And I'm like, at the time, I couldn't even get a job in Rochester. I couldn't get anything. And I'm like, you're high. I probably won't keep this job, which, by the way, I, for three months, I actually didn't keep the job. Uh, but then when it happened and we got mornings and, Bob, we go up against the ratings, I'm like, oh, my God, I feel horrible. You're the guy that brought me here. I don't want to beat you in the ratings. That just doesn't seem right. But it was like your prophecy was coming true. You were, you were like this oracle. I, uh, and uh, and you were so all the world's gracious. a stage and we are the players oh, but so each one gracious. of us is the director of the movie that we're in i do remember that and i remember actually telling you at one point you were considering quitting because you were having trouble with some management or something yeah, and i was talking I was... you off the ledge i said bj don't uh, you know i don't think i said don't be an idiot because i don't talk the way you do but i said something like that and i said uh look i'm not you're younger than me i'm gonna be you're gonna be you're gonna take over you're gonna be on the air after i'm gone Hang on to your brand. Hang on to the job. And um, at that point, I didn't you know, have any plans to retire or to do anything like that. But I just knew that to me, this this your show, you know, we're all part of a pie. And in the ratings, there's a hundred share. OK. And to win, usually the winning one or two stations have a five or a six share. And that means that, like even like when Howard Stern was doing his best there, he had a six share and he, he did edge us out a little bit uh, at one point. Uh, at that point, I, I still would people would say, oh, you feel threatened by Howard Stern. And I would say, even if he's number one with a six share, that means that 94 percent of the people would rather s listen to something else. And if we can't get. If we can't make a living from the other 94 percent, then we don't deserve to. And so, so I never looked at it as direct competitors. I looked at it as there's a hundred chair. There's plenty of pie for Joe. Joe, I haven't talked to you in a while, and I know you like pie. Oh, my ears did perk up. When you <laughs> said that. I'm with you, Joe. I, I know. Oh I man, like... there's nothing like a good pie. Yeah. I used to. Well, let's, used to, let me. That, by let me the way, that's about, how you oh, use Joe oh, to diffuse a tense moment, and oh, you were so kind to do that for us, Joe. Well, you know how funny say, you were. Thank okay. you very much. I will say I want to give my quick version of this sure. story because okay. legend has it because I may be wrong. Now I got all the players in one room here. But the way I remember this was EJ did something pretty outrageous. But you're looking at contemporary community standards. That's where you draw the line is what is acceptable. So DBJ gave an excellent defense for himself saying, look, the contemporary standard of this station is this. Listen to this. He plays Tom Likas and he's like, you know, I'm not anywhere close to that. So you're paying me to try to be outrageous 
Now you're firing me for being You're right. That's that's a better summary of it. So he wins the case, and then they're on the hook to pay him. And it's not about, as I understand, keeping the job. It's about getting the money that you're owed out of the contract. Right. But this company, being so Cheap. cheap. So cheap so that they cheap. had me and Spike. Do it, James Brown. So cheap. So cheap. Yeah. So cheap. They, they had Spike and I doing overnight shifts at KISW, even though they wanted us to do a morning show. And then, oh, but go stay up all night on Saturday night and live and play records from midnight to six. That's a, that's the level of cheap we're talking here. And since they had to pay BJ, it's like, well, we're going to pay him. We better just make him work instead of just giving him the money. Mm. So they give him his microphone back and he goes on and he becomes a highly rated show. And the rest is history. Rest is that history. kind of the way? And, 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 and let me add this to about about competitors. Um, there's all kind of assholes getting to do radio. Uh, when you when you know somebody is a genuine good guy, it does it, it, it it's not competition. You want him to be as successful as, as humanly possible because you know he the kind of guy he is and how he treats his staff and how he treats his audience. You know, I I love every I love watching BJ ascend. Because I knew who he was. And he, mm-hmm. People come to town and they're total D-bags. Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes they're successful. Most times they're not. Because the truth will bear out. Who you really are, on the, the, the authenticity of who you are, you can't make it up or mask it. Spike, is there, a, is, there, is there a sports analogy here? So, for example, if you're a great NBA player. Well, uh, I, I, let's go baseball. Yeah. If you shoot steroids in your ass, you hit the ball over the yard, but nobody likes you anymore. I'd rather see the guy. I'd rather see the guy that gets there on his own of his own merits and his own skills and comes in second or third. I'll take that guy. I'll live long day. But players you know? players move from team to team and they become friends, whether they're direct competitors or not. Is sort of what yeah, I was thinking. yeah and, yeah 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 oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, and I'll give I'll give you a quick sports analogy because it reminded me so much to hear you and BJ talk. Bob, you are the veteran star running back. You have uh, you're an All Pro, ten time, ten year All Pro. Then you've got a younger guy coming in. You can do one of two things. You can try to make his life miserable and hang on to your job, or you can go, hey, this is a great guy, and it's really my duty as a veteran to mentor him and to, you know, kind of take him under my wing. And I think as, you know, as a veteran, you saw talent, you saw potential, you saw that he's a good dude, so you kind of helped him out. And that's the way the NFL works. There's only one starting running back job on every NFL team. And every time you draft somebody or bring a younger guy in, he's going to want that job. And, you know, may the better player win or may whoever's more fit. But I think that's a great thing about you, Bob, is you've never, you know, you've never put somebody else down to try to keep yourself up. You're always looking right. to give somebody a hand up and you're always looking for somebody to help you. Please to find make some money way to, to please find some way to backhanded insult me because uh, this we're yes. getting the bootleg. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it's also <laughs> for your own. It's, it's for your personal growth as well. And then yeah. you're very good at, at recognizing talent and, and, and everything. But I think it's very selfless what you do uh, as far as looking at competitors. Nobody else looks at competitors and goes out and has lunch. And you you were the guy who would get every radio person in town together to have a dinner together. You know, that's just we did that. that's yeah. not very often. Even people who feuded like uh, Dory and BJ feuded uh, because Dory may have not been on BJ's side when that thing happened eventually we had a lunch with bj and dory and aren't you glad now that we did that 
you you really helped out a lot with that. I mean, you really it wouldn't have happened because of you. Um, and I'm happy it did because obviously because of Dory's passing, I I'm happy we had resolution to what I believe really the the poor guy did not deserve what happened because of the way I was on the air. And I felt so bad because sometimes we do stuff on the air and next thing you know, listeners do things that you didn't ask them to do, but they just do that sort of Baba Booey mentality. And I really felt like, Oh gosh, you know, didn't even occur to me that something like that would happen where, you know, they would go over the line and that was really bad for Dory and his family. And, so oh, so you had the some, opportunity. Some of your listeners were, um, I'm going to do it the diplomatic way, critical of his show in some very divisive ways. It, and it got personal, you know. It's yeah, and, and that's I, I, and by the way, that happens. That happens yeah. to every talk show host. By the way, you guys don't know, but we all get people who heckle us because they hear us play fighting, and they think, "Oh yeah, I want to be mean like they are." They don't know yeah. what they're doing. And, um, you know, they can actually hurt you. That, that has happened to me. It's probably happened to every one of us at some point. So, uh, all right, let's do you one more. You were friends with both of us, which, yes. you know, I mean, uh, people would find that even hard to uh, believe. Because, I'm Switzerland. You know, he and I were opposite. Uh, yeah, you were. I'm Switzerland. Um, I, I, I believe. a great opportunity. I believe yeah. that, uh, and I still do. Um, I, I believe that, uh, and this comes from my mother. Mm-hmm. I believe, and, and, and I don't say Jesus a lot. You know, uh, like Jack says, uh, Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Doesn't he say that every time he says? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, But I do believe in the higher power. And I do believe that we're all connected and we're all brothers and sisters, even, you know, if we're in times in our lives or or points in our existence where we're mortal enemies. I mean, I I believe even the Russian people are good people. The Ukrainian people are good people. there's a few people I don't believe are good people, and I hope they don't become the Republican nominee. But still, that's not a big deal. Um, yeah. But but I, I believe conservatives are good people. Most of my really good friends who are conservative are salt of the earth. Some of my best friends yeah. are conservative. Yeah, but I'm not sure I'm, I'm a liberal. Some of, these, some of these woke mob people, I agree with that, too. So my problem is uh, I could never be political. Because I cannot take a side. Because even in the middle of me, in the middle of a sentence, I change my mind. Because I, I feel like everybody's point of view deserves to be hear, heard. And then you compromise. And that, there's no place for me thinking that way. Other than to be a host and, 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 and sort of um, wrangle the fight of other people. Like tomorrow I'll be on Spike Show with Jack. And, and sometimes when, oh. and it's, it, it, every Friday at 2 o'clock, can I plug it? Yeah, 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 absolutely. And you guys are on noon to three, and I, and I've got, and Spike's you know awesome, and Jack's this up and coming uh, talk show host. He's thirty five years old and brilliant at thirty five. I none of us knew at thirty five as much as he knows about the world, and yet I and, and I come on, and every day, every time I come on, I'm nervous because I'm afraid I'm going to be boring as heck if I simply say, you know, I could literally quote John Lennon. Well, all you need is love. Oops. <laughs> you know, uh, it's really difficult. So, uh, all right, let's tell one more story and then we're going to bring on a closing guest because this kind of goodwill that we're discussing is generational. We pass it down to our kids. BJ's got Sarah on his show. Oh, so and you're not bringing my kids on after the sex story, are you? For kind of <laughs> no, no, you're, you're on your God, own. Now. I have a lot to explain. <laughs> no, no, but yeah. I'm, I'm bringing one of my kids on. 
Um, because BJ, oh, I hope it's not that Andrew kid. Jeez, yeah. I mean, that. Yeah, All right, that say kid. what you really think about him before he comes on. Yeah, uh, you know, I want to say this though. Can no bootlicking allowed. No bootlicking allowed. Well, no, that's the problem. Yeah. This has been a bootlicking show, but then I'm sorry. That's just, you know, where it where it's at because we've been telling stories about me, but you guys, this is exciting to do a show. I've always wanted to do a show with you guys. I know it's Bob Spike and Joe, but I've never like, done this. No, I would love to do this. So if I am going to make a plea, let's let me come back when you do a regular show talking about stuff. Oh, just be I would love to yeah. just be there okay. with you guys. Like all I you know, everyone's got an opinion and I'll be my idiot self. And I always wanted to be in those conversations with you three and was very envious of that all uh, those years. Um, yeah, I was your friend. And I mean, I slam your friend uh, as of this airing. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I will. There's still um, time. Yeah, I really, if you would have me back so we can do a cool, fun show as opposed to... Oh, and you, you know what? You yeah. you deserve that because I've, uh, I've been on your show numerous times. And yeah. oh, it's like I've never being... worked with... I've never worked with Spike and Joe on air, no. and I have such great respect for well, them. Well, they're so far you, away from you, there's uh, no way they could make it all the way across town and be a guest on your show. It's hint, so, hint, I hint, can't hint. anymore. Uh, <laughs> yeah. well, they know politics. I don't leave Mercer Island, so I, I wouldn't. There's Joe also politics because you're our direct competitors now, and it's not it's not as friendly as it used to be. I mean, it is, but, I mean, it's not the same. You, you, it have, should be. Yeah, it, I it, think it, so. Bob, I, I will, I'll take this time to say this, is that the fact that, you know, that Spike it works for another company. Our radio business needs to understand it's no longer about companies. We are, we, our, our competition is everything else. And yes, that's right. I don't, the internet. I don't care who wins. They should let Spike and me be a super team somewhere, mm -hmm. whether we're in the same company or not, because it elevates our industry. Just like you put restaurants around, you get more people coming yeah. to restaurants. But our business never thinks that way. Hopefully it starts changing. So yeah, I'm all yeah. for that. I don't care. All right. Uh, Along the course of life, uh, BJ began having my son, Andrew, on the show. He waited a few years because in the beginning, you know, Andrew was getting started. But I knew that Andrew was starting to do well um, when BJ Shea started having him on his program. Spike's phone uh, just flipped out and he's, he's going to come right back. So uh, I think Andrew wants to say maybe he wants to say thank you. Maybe he wants to suggest some hair products for you, uh, some Rogaine or something. <laughs> I'm not sure what he's up to. Hi, Andrew. And by the way, oh. Andrew, Andrew's here with me in Las Vegas. But every time we try to do it in the same room, we get all this feedback. So he's he's sitting. Where are you? Oh, you're in your you're in the guest bedroom. Yep, I'm in my uh, my rehab wing of the uh, estate, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> not for drugs, but for funny. There's no jokes allowed on this show. As, as <laughs> he's been listening, so, so we have not been funny. That's his way. By the way, Andrew has no problem putting me down. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, it I was a, it. such a love fest, and uh, you you were like, "When's the backhanded compliment coming?" And so I I know my role, you know. Okay, at, rip at us. Oh no, I got nothing but lovely things to that's say. The problem. <laughs> that's the problem. Isn't that the problem? You really can't. Yeah. <laughs> I the problem is I don't know BJ well enough to insult him, you know? Like uh, I mean, who listens to his show anyway? So um <laughs> not many. Um no, uh, you know, other than the 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 fake job he offered me and uh um you know, whatever. I, I don't know what you want me to say. Tell us. Well, you just said the fake job he offered me. Oh, sure. It sounds like a story and you condensed it down to three seconds. So, well, in my me... business, economy of words is, is that's right. You, <laughs> yeah. What uh, 
did you have like some job you needed to audition people for and you just put his name down so that you could hire the illegal alien you wanted to hire anyway how did that work <laughs> I did. I, I'm, I, I tell you, I am old. Did we offer you a job on the no, show? Was no, no, no. We sat and had pizza and, and we talked about it maybe. And then, um, oh, and then yes. Oh, but. yeah. Well, I know exactly what happened. Your father, by the way, I'm gonna, since we're here, we're putting the dirt out. Andrew, your dad knows about this, but never got back to me. Oh, you need to scroll up in your text, old man, because. Dude. Can I tell you, can I interrupt you? Uh, my flight got changed this morning uh, coming in to, to visit. And I, uh, I in the text message thread, I said, oh, I landed at 1130 and he was at the airport at nine o'clock going, where are you? What, what's going on? Why, where, when are you landing? And I said, 1130. I wasn't in that up. thread. Your mother sure. got that message and at 8 30, she's like, You have to leave now. You have to pick him up at nine o'clock. The you family to... text yeah. message thread, but you know, I don't I, read I, the family thread. I look at oh, pictures so of the granddaughters. Buttons. I don't listen yeah. to what you guys are talking. So, anyway, yeah. But yeah, yeah, th there's a chance that maybe some details got passed along because he also keeps saying that someone at Como or someone at someone else is like, oh, gonna, gonna. And, uh, uh, no, no, no. You know, all right, me, let me let me bust you on this. Somebody, uh, uh, calls the me people up. at Cairo are always open to bringing up young millennials and teaching them. I mean, Jack has has been doing this; he's good at it. Uh, but they mentioned would Andrew be interested in being teamed up with you know maybe a, a another comedian? And they would probably you know farm club thing. They would put you on a weekend show and let you bomb around and make a few mistakes and see if you liked it. But when I mentioned this to Andrew, and here's what I know about Andrew. He loves his career. He is dedicated to being a comedian. He's done what that guy in that movie did, which drove all around. What was his name? The, the oh, comedian. Berbiglia. Yeah, He's sure. like Berbiglia in that in the beginning, he literally put 200,000 miles on a new car in like six months. That's called exaggeration, <laughs> by the way. Look it up in comedy. Anyway, he he lived in the back seat with a sleeping bag. And so he loves his profession so much that I kind of felt like when I was saying this to him, he was thinking like, so you want me to come a blacksmith and put shoes on horses? You know, he was looking at it like, yeah, like, yeah. It, it, like, so you want me to be work at the old folks home? And, you know, it, well, it, my dad wants me to have both of the lowest paying entertainment jobs at the same time and uh, sure. see how that weekends works is lowest paid entertainment job. Uh, but I, but I thought it, it, it and so, um, and by the way, I still think there's hope for this argument because uh, comedians sometimes didn't you do comedy too, BJ? At some point, oops, I lost your sound. Hang on, there's Spike. Hey, hey. all right, there's Joe. Uh, uh, BJ, your your mic might have muted. Let's see. Oh, it's muted. No, it's not muted. Wow. That's a new one. I it's saw the little bit. neat yeah. thing. It's a great bit. Yeah. <laughs> you might want to go into uh, properties and sound and see if- Andrew's the... on the show, my connection, uh, yeah. job. Well, that's all I, the time what, we job offer? I, I lost my signal. Uh... Yeah. Now we can't hear you. Log the, out and log back in. Tell me to log out and log back in. Log out, log back in, Spike says, because that happens. That's what I do. It's a goofy thing. Uh, and by the way, our- uh, uh, our guy, will, uh, Dave, will edit this because it's the only edit in the whole Poor thing. Dave. <laughs> and this ha this occurs at one hour, 24 minutes and 46 seconds. 
Hey, Dave, I was going to ask you something else. After the show, Dave's always asking me to write a description. And it's kind of funny to me, as if I remember a single word that we say. <laughs> right. Uh, Dave, do you take notes during this for your uh, internet tags? I don't hear you, Eve. I have before, but I've been just so engrossed in watching that I haven't been writing anything down. So the show is not as boring as we think it is? No, no, not at all. It's great. Okay. Good to know. Because to good. us, this is all like, ah, we're not busting each other's balls enough. We're being too nice. <laughs> all right, let's bring BJ back. BJ, is your How'd mic back? Can you hear me? Yep, it's yes. all good. Okay. Woo! We might even not need to edit that. Just leave it as the shit happens part of the show. Uh, I would, so, uh, but uh, uh, we have. I have a really good, uh, uh, like, uh, story about Andrew not getting what the, the job with us. Uh, okay. And uh, there is a good story. You never did get back to me. And if you scroll, I tried I didn't to be get as back delicate to you. as I could. Me not getting your... back to someone is not news. <laughs> it's yeah. not. I thought it would be when I said this is about your son's career. But I thought, oh yeah, he's not going to care about that. My but, mind yeah, is like a had... steel sieve. I, and, and by yeah. the way, I apologize. Uh, every hour to somebody because well, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah here's what happened to find okay. andrew who i'm a big fan of andrew's work always have been and uh you know every every time we get together it's always fun i just i just love his creative line and what he does so like yeah come on the show and if we have you on the show this could morph into something we have andrew on the show andrew's killing andrew's mm -hmm. doing a great job but andrew apparently never had that great father-son conversation don't take a dump on one of the biggest advertisers our station may have. Oh. Andrew, yeah, Andrew immediately compares a fine company's beer to urine and everybody's look on the face while he's going, don't drink that pee, everybody. And I'm way. like, first of all, that's the biggest hack joke you could ever do, which I didn't even expect from Andrew because he's so really good. But then he goes, I'll pull this one out of the closet. You know, that that bear is like pee, everybody. And I'm like, oh, my God, they're the biggest advertiser we have, and we only have, like, one. Oh, my yeah. God. And the look on Steve's face was like, that kid is never coming back. <laughs> and I, uh, I, I wrote to you, and I said, Bob, God bless America. You are a broadcaster. You never told your kid. Rule one, whenever you do a radio show, no, I didn't. don't take a pee, literally, on any advertisers. <laughs> and Andrew's like, take a pee? I'm going to say it is pee. <laughs> and that is why Andrew is dead to America. Says the guy who I met who had no filter. And, and ironically, you should know that I also, I, I did the same thing. I, you've heard of a little restaurant that has golden arches? Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, when we first arrived at KISW, somehow we did a thing about calling their McMuffin with egg sandwich. Do you remember this one, Spike? No. <laughs> what did you call, call it? What did I call it, more importantly? Well, <laughs> let me put it this way. Without saying the word, you, you, you know what Roe v. Wade is about? Yeah. Oh, my oh. God. I do remember that. You do remember this. Oh, yeah. wow. We didn't call them P. We called the them chicken. Let me put it, say it differently. Chicken miscarriages. <laughs> oh, wow. Like, like, here's the funny thing about this. Tom Likas would have just called them the A yeah. word. And, and anyway, yeah. we said that early on, and McDonald's canceled. So I, it, it, 
we're all on a journey, and it's some like father, like son. <laughs> exactly. Well, at some point, <laughs> Joe, you know what we're talking. You remember this one? Oh Joe? yeah, I remember well. Going back to being oh. the guy who kept you guys from getting oh. fired, I had a lot of repairing to do on that one, and. Uh, you wouldn't believe how much time I had to spend with Ronald McDonald to make that good. I was, <laughs> I was going to McDonald's for about a year with the clown and hanging out. And uh, are and you going to say you're? Are you going to say you're still making reparations? Well, no, I'm <laughs> uh, actually, uh, but I will say I have a soft spot when those Big Macs go for buy one get one for a dollar. Mm. Did you know the Big Mac right now is supposedly better than it's ever been? I don't want to sidetrack, but uh, well, tell me why, Joe. Well, it's got a mushier bun. Not a mushier. That's not a good way to say it. It's got a. It's got a different bun, and they give you more sauce than ever. It's yes. actually pretty good. So the bun doesn't mush out the way it used to, and the bun is a little more solid. Would you say it has great mouthfeel? I you, I like it. The only thing I don't like about it is it gets me in a lot of trouble because my wife finds the uh, the the wrappers. She finds the wrappers. Yeah, yeah. No. I'm I'm supposed to not be eating them. But going back to this story, McDonald's was our biggest advertiser, yes. and uh, and the salesperson <laughs> with the account was. I mean, they were going to lose their job. And it's like you, you see how you we know, softened it up after the chicken abortion story. See, this is what Joe Joe is the heart and soul of all of this. So and, we wound up doing lots of breakfast, and it was breakfast too, ironically. That we we I would sit in the drive-through. We ended window. up with that account back. So you're going to get that beer piss account back. I'm sure you already have it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe not. Uh, they don't. I, uh... Well, I think he hit the dump button in time. Hopefully, I I just got a, a small lecture at the very end, and then that's when I. In my business, it's try to say something offensive to, you know, we're trying to get attention, but they yeah. already have attention. They want to keep it, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Andrew, I, I never blamed you for that. When that happened, the first thing I thought of, I'm going to I'm going to strangle your father. That's like, because <laughs> it was my fault. Absolutely. I'm... Yeah. Yeah. How does he not, you know, how does he not say anything about this at all? So, uh, yeah, I you also was, had a story uh, about what your first times uh, a pissing off a sponsor. You, you texted me and said, "Remind me, and I'll tell you this story." You talking to me? Oh, yeah, I think so. Let me see if I can look up what you said. Actually, oh God, yeah, like, please tell me when hey, I hey, don't a uh, don't feel bad. It happens to the best of it. Maybe you're just being sympathetic. But, look at uh, you, yeah, using yeah. A, using I, my I was lying. That's never happened because I'm <laughs> professional, but I didn't want you to feel bad. Uh, I immediately thought, how can I make this loser kid feel like he didn't do something really bad? That's I'll really lie. nice of you. That's what you. you. Yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. be like a good parent. I'll lie. No, you're not a moron. We no, it's you. not that I don't love you. It's just Santa Claus thinks that you're a bad that's, kid. Yeah, is the one. He's got you on the list. Kid that's not eating nice, and then there's basically jail time. Uh, All right. Yeah. And, I hope this conversation has been interesting in a behind-the-scenes radio personalities in Seattle not just uh, for some of the behind-the-scenes stories and the bootlicking, but also for the uh, what I believe is character development of each person involved in each show or even Andrew as a comedian. We all help each other, and it turns out we all make the same mistakes. It also turns out that we all see the stories slightly differently. Um, and I believe there's a certain kind of social anxiety and insecurity in every entertainer. And that when you have someone who's supportive of you, uh, as we mentioned earlier, uh, Joe, I think to bring this home with a teacher uh, reference, when someone is your mentor and says, you can do it, I believe in you, um, you grow. And, you know, when you piss off a major sponsor, it's sort of like the burned hand teaches best. It was like, 
I might not do that again. Let's let's put a pain deep in my soul of how it felt to do that. <laughs> and then let's let's try not uh, to again. And so it's it's interesting, fantastic the evolution of what we do. And here we are now. Andrew is a touring comedian with tens of millions of uh, social media views, aiming for a billion or a hundred million or I don't know when you how, at what number do you get really huge? Like you could sell, like you can sell two, three hundred seaters out now. When do you? The guys who sell the seven hundred seaters out, what is? You know. Sure, I and mean. Then, then there's Larry the Cable Guy who could sell out the Paramount in his day five nights in a row. I mean, that's your sure. that's your gig, right? There's a new comedian uh, that's really blowing up called Matt Reif, oh, yeah. and uh, Matt if you Reif. give him oh, a Google, yeah. okay, um, yeah. he's just an incredibly handsome fella, and so well, that's going to be tough for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just, Although from uh, posts... the back, you remind me of Nelson. Uh, those uh, Nelson brothers, uh, you know. Yeah, he's uh, dude. He's every. He's blowing up all over the internet. Okay, uh, Matt Wright. Yeah, yeah, Matt Wright, and 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 the, the and all over Facebook. A lot of women really because the kid is, is just short. He's short ripped. He's yeah, short. He's, okay. Yeah, he's. Uh, and to his credit, you know, and Andrew, you and I, out of all of us, have at least done stand-up comedy. Of course, you tons more than me. The guy does have good audience work to the point where I think, my God, are they plants? It, mm -hmm. The idea that he's so able to interact with the audience and then slide back into his material. I think that he doesn't get enough credit for the fact that he does some things and he kind of slides into political incorrectness for a white, really good looking dude to say some of the things he says and that the audience is OK with it, especially when you think of the fact that a lot of his audience is women. Mm. It, it makes me think. He's found a way to be edgy in a world that doesn't exactly know how to be edgy. Yeah. And the kid is doing it all on his own. He's doing it the way Andrew's doing it. He's just, right. he's, you know, he made his own YouTube specials because nobody would give him a special. So he made his own mm. and he's got a lot of views. Uh, um, and he's, yeah, he's blowing up the internet right now. And uh, still Matt my favorite Price. comic, of course, is okay. Andrew Rivers. I have to tell you that. that well, guy. but this is the thing. It's, it's a journey. Uh, not a destination, although the destination usually involves some wow. cash. Wow, yeah. you know what? I, I can't wait to do more shows with you to just say the pearls of wisdom. Yes, what yes. could I do without that classic? You oh, know, it's not the destination, but it's the personification. Yeah. Okay. Bob's awesome. reading from his chicken soup from the Teenage Soul book right now. Yeah, yeah. Well... <laughs> The teenage soul. BJ, you've had you've had therapy and counseling, and you and you also a have ton. you've have matured tons by that. Should Andrew oh, get some? Thanks, buddy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really, if I, I would love to come back and just commit right. with everybody because I, I love Joe's take. I love Spike's take on things, and sometimes I love to would love to fight with him. Uh, if you've ever had lunch with Joe, uh, the great thing about Joe is somehow he thinks I run the station and, you know, basically will tell me all his great ideas. And I look at him, oh, what, do you, what do you think? I can do anything. But Joe's like, here's what you right. should do to change the world, buddy. I have an idea, actually, to change the world uh, that all you guys could help with. But I'll go ahead. Bob. Right. I'll, I'll throw it out there. Or, or uh, I got an idea um, and it just came to me while we're sitting here talking about how we should all do a show together and everything. Uh you have a hundred thousand watt station, BJ. I know it's not yours, but you kind of uh, have some say. Spike, you have a hundred thousand watt station. I have a thirty watt station. Um, uh, Andrew has a worldwide following on comedy, and Bob Rivers is a, is a comedy and radio legend. I'm really kind of getting tired of people shooting each other. I'm really getting tired of uh, this gun violence, at least in our area. 
And I would love to figure out a way to get some kind of media across, you know, something to going to, and I don't even know what the answer is, but I do know that it's become, uh, a, it's just, a, it's, it's, it's a terrible epidemic right now. And I'm not making any jokes here, but every single day in Seattle, Washington, somebody is getting shot And most days it's more than one. And if there's any way we could get our voices, our media companies, anybody to get on a, a campaign that transcends, you know, companies that transcends anything to get the word out that we have to end this gun violence, you know, any way we could do that, we could do that collectively all unified and, and get more uh, personalities involved. I would be yeah, up to that uh, kind of project. The Bob, problem is Smith and Weston is one of BJ's major sponsors. So we can't really <laughs> do any of that. Man. So I'm going to say, Shootings are good for our business in Cairo. And, and by the way, Joe, yeah. even though he just made a joke, here's what I believe, and, and, and I, I love your passion. I believe that it isn't a fight to end gun violence because that is a paradox. Uh, fighting each other to end gun violence only practices fighting each other. And so calling someone bad politically for not helping you, uh, the whole the press releases are the same as they were decades ago, and the problem has only gotten worse. Um, it's really about coming together. It's about all you need is love. It's, uh, it's, that, about, get, it's about getting naked for a gun, to end gun violence, right? Is that what it is? It could be. Uh, the, the point I'm making I, is, is I that, will not. I'll turn in all the guns and he keeps his shirt off. Yeah, I'm not talking I, about it. I need all my money to keep a shirt on. Let's say this. The way to bring about love is only from love. It's not right. from anger. And 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 yet when you have something you feel legitimately uh, the, the right to be angry about, that's the first thing that comes to your mind. And it turns on our lizard brains. And to our lizard brains, violence, fighting, tribalism, all of that is actually not bad to the primitive side of us. And, and then we have the civilized side. Uh, John Stewart said this really well once. Um, he said, the primitive anger part of us is what's normal and natural in our DNA. It's the civilization that's like a garden that we have to tend to do better. And it, it weeds grow. It requires constant tending and loving. And, you know, uh, and, and so um, to me, what's missing in modern times, and I could blame social media, but then I would be fighting it. Um, uh, to me, what's missing in our times is something that we experienced during the early decades of the 60s, 70s, um, was this uh, music and the arts came out for love. Crosby, Stills, and Nash came out for, talk about ending gun violence, Four Dead in Ohio. They did it through art and music and bringing people together with love. And that's what I'm suggesting. I'm not suggesting a fight here. I'm not saying take anybody's guns away. I'm saying quit pointing at each other and shooting people. I'm yeah. saying let even me verbally, to, let me come to school without worrying about having to be in a lockdown, which I have been, and worrying about how am I going to protect kids. I mean, and it could maybe it's a concert, maybe it's a comedy show. And I don't know what it is, but I do know that this is something I'm passionate about. And anyway, we could. I think concert is that that's a throwback to that uh, get together in, in, for love to do something. I think that's that's an interesting idea. Just and anybody so wants to send uh, something about that to oh. us, uh, a show 
uh, uh, show at bobrivers.com. I don't know. Let's ask Dave what my email address. I don't even know my freaking email address, Dave. That is correct. Bob show at Bob Rivers. Thank you, Dave. Get back to tending your plants. Have you, have you trimmed all those tops yet? Okay. I think if we let Dave be in charge of this issue with his plant collection, nobody will be shooting That's anybody. Right. I really think oh. that. All right. I just, I am so envious of people like Spike uh, and even you guys doing the show because this is the kind of topic that we just don't do in our show. Joe, I'm going to tell you straight up. We're the fun rock station. We'll never do this topic on the show. It just sure. isn't going to happen. It's not the filter the company wants. Well, it wouldn't uh, fit, I do have it wouldn't fit what the show is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I still have subtle ways of getting stuff done because I think this is a much bigger issue. And unfortunately, this is going to suck to hear everybody, but it's Andrew's fault. And I think once we get rid of him <laughs> yeah. and those those long haired hippies that are coming back. All right. Uh, All right. But no, there really is a serious answer to it. And that's a longer show, Bob. And, okay. you know. Yes. Oh, it's a good one. I've like, so bring me back, and Joe and I will have a fight. Spike will take his shirt off. Andrew will fall asleep. Going, I hate old people. Why do I have to listen to them? I like the idea of, of a little will be hot. Yeah. Nothing like hurts. Nothing yeah. hurts your ratings worse than listeners getting shot. They can't listen when they're dead. They so I, think, okay. I think everybody benefits from right. uh, from I less. I want to be at the meeting where they go, Joe. Actually, we've done research. Turns out people getting shot. My God, it, we had a spike. Yeah, it's uh, it's out there. Uh, a, a concert uh, idea, I think, would be wonderful. If anybody listening wants to contact us, show at bobrivers.com and hotel motel time because we've done it. We've done it all and. And BJ has some explaining to do to his daughter, and there's a lot to there's a lot that's going to come yeah, out of this. Thanks for that. Um, and uh, so, last two words, uh, Andrew, then Spike. Andrew, go ahead. Oh, sure. Well, uh, that's two words. Thank you very much, Andrew. That was BJ, fantastic. If, yeah. if you if you uh, when I cut my hair, I'll save some for you so you can uh, make a wig out of it. Please. Okay. Thank you. Spike. <laughs> locks for laughs, right, Andrew? You're not making yeah, wigs for yeah. for bald comedians. No. Let's do that. That's a good yeah. thing for everything. Yeah. No, I, I, Joe, I wish I wish we we could come up with a way to have people respect each other. Um, I, I think the only the only real answer is to just start killing squirrels. If every bullet had a squirrel's name on it, there wouldn't have to be bullets left to kill people. You know, we'd have a, we need a common enemy. It used to be the Nazis, and it was the Russians. You should just kill every fucking squirrel on the planet. <laughs> Oh, and I don't uh, want to hold on. Your union representative is here, and <laughs> that idea is nuts. <laughs> Sorry, right. no, it's fine. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'll just I'll just close with this. Uh, listen to Joe's radio station, even though it's only thirty watts. You can get it on the internet, which means it's global. Uh, I'm sure the astronauts can get it on the way to Mars as soon as Elon puts them into space. Uh, you can get it on your Tesla because you got internet. Listen to B.J. Shea, mornings on KISW. Uh, how many years long reigning now? Oh, uh, whatever the math is since 2006. I'm not sure what that math is. Uh, but whatever Eight, that you're, is. 18, you're, in, you're in your 18th year, buddy. Okay. Thank you, buddy. All your right. show's old, old enough to vote. Yeah. Yeah. And you, it's still not old enough to gun. drink. No. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But we and, still can't drink, damn it. I'd rather have and, a beer than a gun. Oh, wait. And, we can't have that either because of... <laughs> Maybe we need to exchange guns for beer. Now that might work. We try to now, that. now we could do that, Joe. That's a that, that's a rock of bullets. Yeah. yeah. Beer I, for bullets. And uh They're, lastly, they shoot but pop cans with them anyway, you know. Okay. Lastly, but near and dear to my heart, my brother Spike, who's now uh doing noon to three on uh Cairo 97.3. 
with Jack Stein. They're both really incredibly great uh, people. I've gotten to know Jack uh, quite a bit and uh, a lot of love there. And they don't directly compete with BJ Shea. So if you know, if you if you listen to those seven hours and nothing else, you're doing something for love. All right, you guys. Thanks, thank you boys. very much. All so of you. So good to be here, boys. I hope I get a, an invite back, but I think the Andrew and I thing probably never going to happen. I'll text you about it, but you'll oh, by miss the, way, the message. At the, some point, yeah. if things go poorly, he will end up on the radio, and we'll have to remove this uh, content. Ouch. All right. Uh, <laughs> as a comedian. Um, ouch. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, see what I just did? I did a BJ. I just spoke my mind without knowing which, which sponsor I was pissing off. Uh, Dave, can you take us out with the jingle? David Lee, behind the scenes, gets everything done.